Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books and Political Science podcast. My name is Heath Brown. Today I'll have the real pleasure to speak with the author of Rethinking the Administrative Presidency, Trust, Intellectual Capital, and Appointee Careerist Relations in the George W. Bush Administration. The author of the book is William Resch. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm great, Heath. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. A pleasure to read this book about a subject matter that I think a lot about, and towards the end of our conversation, I'd like to take the conversation in that direction. But before we get to that, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you are, where you've been. Um, Give us your your background. Sure. Uh, So uh, my name, again, is Bill Resch. I am an assistant professor at Sol Price School of Public Policy at the University of Southern California. My research interests uh, look at issues of basically the cross-section of political science and public management with a focus on uh, what's known as executive politics and organizational behavior, specifically organizational behavior as it uh, pertains to organizations that are tasked with implementation responsibilities, uh, public policy implementation responsibilities, whether that be a public organization like a typical federal agency or uh, nonprofits or private sector organizations that might be contracted out uh, by government. Yeah, no, and, and as such, your book looks at, um, in some ways, two different groups, the career executives and the political appointees. So before we get to how these two interact, I wonder if you would explain a little bit about them separately. So, for example, in the context of the George W. Bush administration, who was working on his behalf within the federal government? Yeah, so the book, uh, maybe it would help if we just back up to explain what the administrative presidency is. Um, When we refer to the administrative presidency in scholarship, we're really talking about just one specific role of the president, uh, who, you know, in our system has many, but uh, specifically as the kind of chief executive of the executive branch. And uh, when we talk about the administrative presidency, we're referring to the kind of group of strategies and tools that a president has available to for the purposes of implementing policy and specifically to direct policy through implementation towards his um, preferences. For instance, um, the president, of course, has the ability to appoint officials to lead agencies uh, known as presidential or political appointees. And um, a well-trodden strategy uh, is to appoint people uh, that he knows are ideologically and even personally loyal uh, to his prerogatives. And uh, other strategies include, of course, centralizing policy within the White House through various uh, institutional mechanisms, such as the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs or through the Office of Management and Budget. But my uh, study specifically looks at personnel strategies, and that is uh, who does the president appoint to lead 
organizations and in what way or what strategies do they in turn implement within those organizations to make sure that their preferences, which uh, might be proxy to the president's preferences, are implemented accordingly. Now, in the book, you refer to the, quote, black box of the administrative presidency. Would you walk us through how scholars have typically approached this subject and maybe why they haven't peeked into this black box? Yeah. So by black box, basically, uh, we have um, two different perspectives of uh, implementation that I'm trying to bridge. And one is from the public management perspective which tends to look at rather technocratic or tends to have a rather technocratic orientation towards policy implementation. They, they look at more of the micro level issues of how um, relationships build within organizations, what are the most appropriate management uh, techniques, and really try to approximate an objective view of the outputs of organizations. Whereas uh, from the political science perspective, uh, many of the micro level kind of perspectives are lost and it's more of a institutional perspective. That is how responsive are bureaucratic agencies to political principles, whether it be Congress or the executive. And um, the problem with both approaches is not uh, one public management tends to not give enough appreciation to the state or to politics writ large, whereas from the political science perspective or bureaucratic politics as its own um, perspective, uh, the agencies themselves uh, are kind of looked at as unitary actors, uh, almost as automatons that uh, have, you know, uh, they try to maximize one particular uh, incentive or, or one one particular uh, interest, which uh, tends to be in that literature, uh, their ability to uh, build slack resources and shirk the responsibilities of, uh, of their position uh, to the extent possible. And uh, the problem, of course, with that perspective is that it tends to be top down, uh, has little appreciation for how people interact within their everyday organizational environments. Uh, But the problem, of course, with the public management perspective is, again, that they're failing to accommodate the political realities of operating in these public agencies. So in this uh, in this way, I'm trying to kind of bring these two perspectives together to make up for the weaknesses on or or, or the weaknesses that I perceive at least uh, on either side. And I, I am to some degree speaking in generalities. Of course, there are great scholars from both camps that are are doing really good work. I'm trying to uh, highlight their work within the book, but also try to build upon the shoulders of those giants. And one of the things that you do in the book is you've um, sort of compiled research, which which is in in many ways a method to unpack what's in this box. Um, How did you do this? Uh, What did you measure? There's a a lot of measurement in here. Uh, Without going into the um, nitty gritty of, of each variable, what was your methodological approach? Yeah, so uh, first, my, uh, my methodological approach was really a mixed methods approach. Um, and I tried to approach this both, both deductively and inductively. That is, uh, there have been a lot of scholars who have looked at uh, the administrative presidency in the past, have even looked at appointee careers relations 
in the past, and they've proposed some really interesting hypotheses. However, they haven't to any kind of, or many have not to any uh, satisfactory uh, degree, basically um, uh, try to measure uh, these concepts that they put forward in their hypotheses uh, systematically. Uh, ten, uh, for instance, um, some past scholars that have looked at the administrative presidency have looked at the importance of trust that uh, develops between careerists and political appointees, uh, with the idea that appointees often come into these relationships not trusting the career bureaucracy. And uh, to some extent, this is understandable. There's very few politicians that run on a platform of protecting the status quo, that there's constant reform uh, being kind of imposed upon our administrative agencies, and uh, many times for good reason. Uh, but that uh, tends to lend itself towards uh, distrust of those executives that are um, uh, charged with coming into the organization and changing the organization, their uh, fundamental distrust of those that are already populate the organization. Uh, and then these these um, scholars in the past have said, well, you know, trust, however, is important. And uh, for an appointee to really get up to speed and to successfully implement their policies within the organization, that uh, they need to develop or engender trust within the organization. And eventually, over time, there is a, what uh, uh, James Fissner, for instance, refers to as a cycle of accommodation. Uh, that eventually uh, careerists and appointees come to trust one another and then they can be successful. Uh, but um, while that is a very interesting hypothesis, no one has actually measured the construct of trust within organizations. And so I thought that I would go through this uh, by not just interviewing careerists and appointees and asking about this very kind of, uh, I don't know, abstract notion of trust, but also to look towards the trust literature as it's developed in social psychology and in generic management studies, uh, and to see that through survey methods, whether or not I could capture this multidimensional construct. Because when we talk about trust, we talk about it in, uh, uh, you can unpack it in several dimensions. One, there's, of course, the encapsulated interest. That is you know, kind of a rational choice perspective. I trust you, Keith, because I see that you have my interests uh, encapsulated in your actions, right? And so, therefore, I'm only delegating a responsibility to you because I know that it's in your interest to follow through uh, according to my own interests. However, there are other aspects of trust as well that, uh, that tend towards uh, the level of competence that one perceives in, in another actor and also the beneficence that uh, one perceives in another actor, uh, as well as their integrity. That is, how true are they to their word? And we can capture these uh, separate dimensions uh, through survey questions uh, and then build kind of uh, multidimensional scales within our analysis to see exactly how uh, these dimensions play out uh, within organizations and connect them to actual organizational outcomes, if that makes sense. It does, and, and sort of leads to the question, if, if trust seems to matter and trust hasn't been 
uh, consistently or, or robustly measured in the past, and you have, how does this work? Does do do uh, is there a strong relationship between uh, federal organizations that that have this trust and and their outcomes? Do organizations that are untrusting, untrustworthy fail in in any way? Take us to what you found. Yeah. So uh, the empirical work looks uh, first just uh, how trust develops within organizations and. Uh, so first, you know, who do political appointees typically uh, interact with in terms of the career bureaucracy? And that's uh, typically at the very executive levels of the career bureaucracy, what are known as senior, uh, the senior executive service, the career senior executive service. Um, but there, within the senior executive service, you're talking about, uh, I believe, 8,000 members of the SES, um, whereas there are only... Uh, um, I don't know, about 1,200 Senate-confirmed appointees, and then another 3,000 or so uh, unilateral appointments, that is, appointments to lower-level management and or lower-level executive and upper management ranks that a president can make unilaterally without the Senate's consent. Uh, but, okay, so that's, what is that? That's uh, 4,000 plus 8,000, 12,000 people in a bureaucracy that's com- that's comprised of uh, over 2 million people, right? Uh, and so the, the glut of our federal bureaucracy and a lot of where implementation takes place is actually in the middle management ranks. That being said, the middle management ranks are, are all are exclusively careerists, uh, career bureaucrats that are protected in most agencies by merit system protections. Uh, so it's very hard for appointees to uh, punish them uh, to, uh, in many respects. And then also it's uh, very hard for appointees, on the other hand, to incentivize them. And we see that uh, uh, that career managers uh, tend to look towards their immediate supervisors in terms of signals of how much to trust the general leadership of the organization, that is the political appointees within the organizations. And so first I'm testing exactly how much this signaling affects uh, where middle managers look for information within their organizations. So how much, how much do they turn towards the leadership of the organization versus their immediate managers for information that helps them see through their jobs. And we find uh, basically that uh, the more distrust at the top executive ranks between career executives and political appointees, that this distrust has a trickle-down effect. Or conversely, that trust has a trickle-down effect. That middle managers are more likely to trust the generalized leadership of the organization as opposed to their immediate career uh, manager or executive uh, when there has been trust developed uh, between career executives and political appointees. Um, and this is important because in the literature on the administrative presidency, we know that uh, that political appointees are essentially put into place uh, for the purpose of reducing information asymmetries, right? Um, Andrew Rudolevich, for example, uh, argued that politicization, that is the where the president puts political appointees and the extent to which these political appointees centralize uh, information 
exchange within their organizations is really intended to, as a as a way to unite institutional and responsive competence to the president so that the president can kind of cheaply and effectively uh, um, gain information to his advantage in order to advance his agenda. However, institutional competence requires uh, an exchange relationship between careerists and uh, and appointees. Uh, the uh, the average uh, tenure of a political appointee within the federal uh, executive branch is about two years, whereas the average tenure of a, a senior executive uh, service member, for instance, is about 18 years. So you can imagine that uh, when there is a distrustful rate relationship, uh, that there is a lot of incentive to kind of duck for cover for the for the short time period that an appointee would be in place. And the appointee needs the information, the institutional competence that the careerists have in order to leverage bureaucratic power towards their particular interests. And uh, so the first empirical chapter really looks at how the dynamics of trust uh, really unfold as it pertains to the development of institutional competence, or as I call it within the book, intellectual capital. And we find that intellectual capital is diminished as a function of this trickle-down phenomenon. Uh, That is, when careerists are uh, at the executive ranks, are not able to establish trust with appointees at at those executive ranks, that further down the chain, uh, the hierarchical chain, the middle managers are more likely to use uh, their immediate supervisors, those senior executives, as their reference for uh, how to conduct themselves uh, within the organization as opposed to the more generalized leadership of the organization that includes the appointees. So where does that lead in terms of a policy effect? Well, we've seen many uh, managerial missteps throughout the Bush administration, and I don't need to point many of them out, uh, you know, Hurricane Katrina, uh, aspects of the uh, war in Iraq, um, amongst many others. But uh, but it's very hard to isolate the causes across the administration generally or to attribute it to a general administrative approach to managing the executive branch without comparable policies in place across organizations. That is where you have one one policy that many different agencies are simultaneously supposed to implement, where you can compare across agencies the variation of trust, right? And so we can say anecdotally, oh, well, this had a lot to do with the fact that the appointee was not managing well. They weren't engendering trust within their organization so as to wield uh, institutional confidence of the career bureaucracy towards effective outcomes of, of the organization generally. And by the way, when I say effective outcomes, I'm referring to effectively seeing through the president's prerogatives, not uh, some attempt at an, a, a, an objective measure of effectiveness. Uh, so uh, again, uh, that lends itself to some trouble in terms of comparing across agencies, the variation of trust within agencies and information sharing within agencies, if we don't have, you know, a similar policy to compare across them. But fortunately, we had the uh, uh, the Bush administration's exit plan. 
Uh, that is their transition plans from their own uh, administration to the incoming administration. And George W. Bush and his administration were were largely uh, lauded for their, um, you know, kind of genuine attempt to ease any uh, transaction costs for an incoming administration from their own, whether it was going to be the McCain administration or the Obama administration. Martha Kumar, Martha Joint Kumar has written extensively on this, and uh, and I definitely recommend her book, her recent book on this. Nonetheless, um, what we had with that was a dictate from uh, the White House for all agencies to involve career executives within the planning, uh, within transition planning from the Bush administration to the Obama administration and kind of detailed kind of bullet point details on how each uh, agency was to go about this process. So from there, we have this policy uh, handed down from the top down from the White House uh, to these various agencies indicating the president's universal preference across these agencies. And then we could compare how successfully the president's preference was carried out within each given agency by how much information the senior executive service within these organizations actually had about ongoing transition activities. And we could do that as a function of the general trust that they had developed prior to this policy being handed down with the appointees that were in place. And what we find is that those senior executive service that had less trust um, established with political appointees were much more in the dark as to ongoing transition activities within their organization. And that's controlling for uh, uh, all aspects of their uh, relative seniority or policy expertise within the organization. And, and given that we are headed for a, another transition, the, the findings from this book, I think, are, are ever more timely. Martha uh, Kumar came on uh, and, and talked about that book on the podcast just a couple of, uh, of months ago. Rethinking the Administrative Presidency is the title of the book. Uh, subtitle is Trust, Intellectual Capital, and Appointee Careerist Relations in the George W. Bush Administration. The book is published by Johns Hopkins University Press as part of their Studies in American Public Policy and Management series. Bill Rest, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, I really appreciate it, Keith. Thank you for having me.